0: Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.
1: Welcome back, mummers. In today's episode, I speak with Ali Walker, PhD and author of the new book by Hay House, Get Conscious. This interview is so full of amazing information, I'm just really wanting to dive in. It's all about how our consciousness works, what happiness really is how we can use mindfulness techniques to start finally being happy with right now and she's also a mama of two little boys so she takes all that she's studied and all that she's done over the years and makes it really practical as a mum. It's going to be amazing so let's get going. This is the Happy Mama Movement with your host, Amy Taylor-Kabaz, author, Mama to Three, and editor of the Happy Mama magazine. In my mamahood journey, I have gone from an overachieving, addicted to busyness superwoman to finally slowing down, simplifying, and realizing that being a mama is the greatest self-development teacher in the world. And after more than 15 years covering breaking news, I've swapped current affairs to inspiration and now bring you the best I can find every week to help us feel more connected as women as we raise our families. Because when we come together, amazing things happen. So, welcome to the movement. Ali, let's start by talking about our search for happiness. It's pretty much what we're all trying to do every day. We think the goal is to be happy and we have this illusion often or this image in our mind of what it will be like when we get to this destination of happiness. But what has all of your work and all of your research told you about what happiness is? Well, look, I
0: think with happiness it's a little bit like our grown-up pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. And even though we know better, we're almost wired to keep looking in the future outside of ourselves for something that we think will make us feel better than we currently do. And I compare it to uh, the idea that in ancient times where most people believed that if you went to the horizon, you'd fall over the edge. Mm-hmm. And that was this illusion that they had, but it completely dictated their lives. So, of course, you wouldn't go near the horizon because you didn't want to fall over the edge of the world. And then as their awareness grew and our understanding of science and the universe expanded, we realized, oh, hold on a second, we're actually on this globe and it's nothing like the horizon is nothing like we thought it was. And I think that's what will happen with our idea of happiness. And so I sort of start the book by saying happiness is, is just a mirage. It's like something in the desert that you see. And it's so real. It seems so real. Oh, if I get married, you know, if I'm on holidays, if I get this new job, then my life will be completely different and I will have made it and I will have arrived. And uh, in the book, I talk about a story that my grandfather told me about his friend who was very successful in his legal career and climbed the ladder in his profession and ended up being a judge. And he had lunch with my grandfather at the end of his career after he'd retired and he was very wealthy and had a family and, you know, by all accounts, looked like he'd made it in inverted commas. And the one thing that he said to my grandfather was, do you know what? You never arrive. You never actually get to that point that you think you're going to get to. And and the research shows that his story is universal, that all of us who go looking for happiness outside of ourselves, in money or in the chase or in the deal or in someone else or in some relationship, uh, we don't find it. Happiness is actually something that we need to be experiencing here and now in our conscious awareness. And if we're not experiencing it here and now, then the destination or whatever we've decided the destination will be is not going to change our experience.
1: And I don't think that there is a single person a single mummer listening to this who doesn't know exactly what you mean. I mean, I think all of us think, you know, before we became mums, all of us probably, every single one of us pictured in our minds that once we were a mum, once we had this baby, once we built our family, then that would be happiness, or mm. once that baby then starts sleeping through. And each time we get to those goals, it doesn't feel the way we want it to feel, so mm. we keep putting another goal ahead of us, yeah. don't when we? I, you know what my current goal is? When do they go to school? Yes, <laughs> yes. Well, I can tell you it doesn't change when they go to school. And yeah. I've got this great story, as you were, were explaining it just then. Yeah. I, I've spent most of my life dreaming of publishing a book. Most of my life, that has been my ultimate goal. And just over a year ago, that happened. And I wanted it so desperately. And I wanted it to be a bestseller. And it was for six months in the top selling books on Booktopia. And I truly have spent 39 years of my life thinking that that would be it. I mm. would have made it. And I remember waking up the day after it was on the bestsellers list mm-hmm. and my kids were screaming and I was just in the depths of despair because I thought, oh, my God, nothing has changed. Mm. It was a lie. It was a lie. <laughs> I have spent my whole life holding my breath for this moment and I've yeah. woken up the next day and nothing has changed. And Ali, that was actually a really hard thing for me to accept.
0: Yes. And do you know what? Jim Carrey said that so beautifully. He said, I wish everyone could become rich and famous so that they could realize it's not the answer. Yes. He, he said that. He said, you know, once you get there and you think that's what is, is exactly your story is born out in, in so many other stories, uh, what you perceived would bring you happiness. Once you arrive there, you don't arrive. You, you haven't arrived arrive. because it's a mirage. Happiness is not somewhere in the future. And that's both the most exciting and the most terrifying thing <laughs> that you can realize. Because if it's, right here, right now, that means that I'm completely responsible for making myself happy immediately. Mm. And if I'm not happy immediately, there's a whole lot of really confronting things I need to face.
1: Okay. So if happiness is not that goal, if happiness is not once the kids go to school, once you get that best-selling book, once you make the money, once you get better, all of those things, what are we doing then?
0: So a really handy way to think about happiness for me is to think about it a little bit like health. Okay, so a a lot of us aren't attached to I mean, this is a big generalization, but it's easier to be less attached to our health if you've just kind of always had health. Okay so obviously if if health has been a challenge for you then that's something that'll be a completely different experience but say you know for for most young people who who are relatively healthy mm. health is just somewhere in the background you're not that triggered by health You're just like, yeah, 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 I'm healthy. That's a good thing. And it's not until it's taken away that you realize how valuable it is. Um, But, you know, in the 40s, 50s and 60s, it was unthinkable to come home from work and go for a run around the block or to think about what you were going to eat for dinner in terms of how it might make your body feel. And then we went through this revolution where people realized, oh, hold on a second, diet and exercise can completely transform my body. It can transform my life expectancy and my experience of my health. I think that happiness, we're going through the same revolution now with the mind. And that's, that's what I feel like I'm a part of. Um, to understand that, that happiness and well-being are just another skill like fitness or health. Um, so you, we know there are things we can do that will increase our well being, And there are things that we can do that will take away from our well being. So rather than happiness being this kind of elusive mirage that we're chasing or a pot of gold that we're chasing or the horizon in our lives, we need to be a lot more practical about it and realize that happiness is happening. It's unfolding in each moment in every decision that we're making. Uh, so I would say that all of us in our life experience, we want to feel good, right? I would say there's two things we need to do. The first thing, is to be disciplined about training ourselves to have well-being and that comes down to our life choices in every single moment. The second thing I'd say is try to be less attached to whatever's happening in the moment um, and and to bring mindfulness to your emotional experience and allow what's ever happening in that day. So, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I, we were having a photo done for the for the telegraph, the Sunday telegraph, they were coming the next day. And I had a, an hour-long talk for my book and a, a book event that I was doing the following night. So that was on the Thursday. We had the photo and then the, the book event at night. On the Wednesday night, the night before, my one-year-old decided to wake up with the shakes like So my older son, who's just almost five, has never done this, and I don't know if any of your kids have done this, um, but he woke up at about 11 o'clock at night crying, and I went into him, and he was involuntarily shaking. Mm-hmm. Have you ever encountered that? I have. Yeah. Okay. So it's called like riggers or I don't know what the word is, but um, it's when their temperature is spiking and they're getting their fever. Mm-hmm. So it's nothing to worry about. I, I was freaking out because I've never encountered that before. So I'm trying to cuddle him and, and he's just still shaking. And so I went into my husband, <laughs> ring that hotline. You know the hot, the yes. nurse hotline. Oh, yes. Ring the hotline, ring the hotline. Because my next call was going to be to the ambulance. I was so worried. And he called this, the nurse hotline, and she was lovely and she said, uh, it's fine, it's normal, it means he's got a temperature, I give him some Panadol, and I'd already done that, given him some Panadol, and within five minutes he was sick all over me. Oh. So he was obviously having a fever, he was about to be- and it was all- it was quite a relief actually when he was sick. Mm. Um, but of course in the back of my mind I'm thinking, oh my gosh, we've got that family photo tomorrow, mm-hmm. I've got that book event tomorrow night, this is not ideal. Um, so it's not it's not that happiness is an ideal life because no one has an ideal life, you know, as, as social media would, would present it otherwise, but everyone's dealing with their own challenges. Um, but it's just allowing whatever is is coming. And, you know, it, it actually made for a really good story to start off the book event the following night. Mm. And, you know, of course I was tired that next, I ended up being up with him for five or six hours straight and I couldn't because of the shaking it had given me such a fright I ended up getting a yoga mat and just sleeping on the floor of his bed as we <laughs> do as <laughs> which I've as. never done before um but I think I was just so worried and because mm. he'd been sick and he had this fever um but that was the night before this book event
1: and you know that's just how life goes sometimes um so and you have to just roll with it that's right so I mean, I speak about that exact moment a lot with the mummers that that are in my programs when we have that voice in our head that says, oh, my God, what about tomorrow? This is going to be ruined. I've worked so hard for it or whatever it is, that yep. voice. So, And I have my own tools and skills that I, I, I share. But as a PhD in this area, as yep. someone who has studied and researched, what did you do that night to connect to your conscious, to get conscious, as your book is called, yep. and, and to not overthink it, freak yourself out, go yep. into all of those dark places that so many of us do, especially when we're sleeping on a yoga mat.
0: Yes. Uh, so the first thing I think I- that is helpful is having that kind of good humor mm-hmm. about it almost laughing with yourself and thinking this will be a really good story later on, mm. um, and not taking it too seriously. Um, that's the first thing because I think the, the, the moment we give our emotions so much power is the moment that they start overpowering us. So I think we need to bring that conscious. So what I say about consciousness is it's almost like the control tower at the airport. So the control tower at the airport is sitting almost above all the flights and it's got people in there watching over every single flight coming and going into the airport. And that's how you need to think of your consciousness in your mind. It's this higher part of your mind looking over all your thoughts and feelings. And so basically what we know about consciousness is it is our ability to direct our attention and our awareness. So in that moment I have a decision. So I'm lying on that yoga mat and I'm thinking, "Oh my gosh, you know, this has to happen tomorrow." And I'm feeling like this. So I have a choice in that moment and everybody has a choice. We can decide to, as you call it, go into that dark space, go into those spiral, the negative spiral of overthinking or we can decide to uh, think of every reach for every positive thought that we can in that moment mm. and that is what I remember how I was talking before about the discipline of training our brains into well-being yes that's the discipline in every single moment choosing the positive thought mm. and so the positive thought is well isn't it great that he's okay isn't it great that I didn't have to go to hospital because that was actually that was going to be my next phone call I was just going to rush him to hospital because I was concerned. Um, isn't it great that he's um, he's now settled? Isn't it great that I have this opportunity tomorrow? Um, I'm going to see what I can do to push back the photo because it might be a bit much to have it at 11. Maybe we can push it back to one, which is ended up, that's what ended up happening. Um, so, so instead of going into the dark space, really bringing that conscious awareness to starting the sentences off with, isn't it great that...
1: Mm. Or
0: aren't I lucky that? Yes. Or isn't it better that, rather than going into the oh my gosh, I can't believe the da 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 Because you know what? It's that um, that uh, Cherokee saying, that story where the you know the elder of the Cherokees was talking to his grandson and his grand and he said, in all of us there are two wolves, and one wolf is ego and it's anger and it's. Uh, it's concern and despair and worry, and the other wolf is positive and it's happiness and it's, it's optimistic and thinks the best of others. And the grandson said, and, and then he said, there's, These two wolves are constantly in a fight between each other. And his grandson said, Well, which wolf wins? And he said, Whichever one you feed. Mm-hmm. And that is a very artful way of describing how, exactly how consciousness works because mm-hmm. in every moment you have a choice to choose a thought. And you have a choice to choose a feeling. And now, I don't, I, I don't know if I'm skipping ahead, but um, with with the four parts, the four elements of consciousness that I talk no, about, which are think, yes. thinking, feeling, sensing, and acting. Mm. So, in each moment, to go back to that moment, I'm lying on the yoga mm. mat. I have a, a, a choice about how I'm going to feel. And this is one of the main reasons I wanted to write the book. Is that we we construct our lives so that it's made up of these big decisions that we sort of think, oh, my life is going to be determined by who I marry and what job I have and uh, where I live. And all those things are so important, of course, but it's not the big decisions that define us. It's the tiny decisions that we make in each moment that create a trajectory, almost like train tracks that lead us to those big decisions. Mm. And so if we, if we, take ownership and become conscious of the tiny decisions about how we think, feel, sense and act in each moment, then the big decisions take care of themselves. And so, okay, so so, I'm lying there and I've described, you choose the thought that feels better because 90 to 95% of our thoughts are negative or neutral. So what I say is that um, most of us in the Western world have been conditioned to reject most of our emotions and believe all of our thoughts and... I say in the book, it should be the complete other way around. We so should just, reject most of our thoughts and believe all of our emotions.
1: So just to clarify, though, what's the difference between emotions and thoughts? Okay, so um,
0: the, the thought is the story.
1: Mm. The thought
0: is the story that we are telling. It's like the constant narration of our life experience. And you can tell a thought because it is, uh, it's, more it's more chattering it's it's actually made up of language. now, interestingly, our emotions come from uh, the limbic part of our brain, and the limbic brain does not recognize language, so a feeling is something that we can't actually completely articulate or put words to. It's just a sort of a, a way, it's it's like a wave that comes over us and we we feel it. We it's, it, There's no other word for it. Um, so in that moment, so say let's take you back to, I'll take you back to the yoga mat. I'm lying there. The thoughts that are going on, I've got a choice between, oh, I can't believe it's happening to me. Why would this happen the night before you're going into the victim or choosing the positive thoughts? Now, the feelings were more like, I feel really tired. I feel really um, overwhelmed. I feel like this is a lot for me to take right now. I feel there's just a difference. The Mm -hmm. The thoughts are a little bit more like full sentences, chatter. It's like a narration of your experience. And the feelings are just something that are there in the background. Right. And then the senses are you know how my body is like i'm i'm sensing that i'm lying i'm i'm uncomfortable i'm lying on this yoga mat i'm i'm sensing my baby i'm aware of him and what's happening in my in my body right now so that's the sensation and then the action is what i decide to do as a result of all of those things combined right. and what i would say is our life and our happiness are completely 100% determined by our th- what we what we consciously decide to do to act on our thoughts, feelings, and sensations. Mm. So all of us, in every single moment, have a choice um, about our thoughts, and then our. Thoughts determine our feelings. So our brain, our brain is not designed to be happy. This is like the big
1: revelation of neuroscience. You've our taken brains... my next question right out of my mind. Sorry? Yeah, right. No, no, no. I love it. Right out of my, um, out of my mouth. Sorry. Is that I love, and that's one of the big things I got from your book. So clearly, is that our brains can't make us happy. No, they have no idea how to make us that happy. That was like because ding, 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 ding.
0: They're not designed to do that. And so this is why asking for our brains to give us happiness, which is what we're doing all the time, yes. is actually just a fool's errand because our brains don't know. It's almost like looking at a dog and saying, hello, can you please go and pick up my child from school? Mm. Or hello, can you make me dinner tonight? It, it, they're not able to do that. They're not designed to do that. And so asking the dog to do that is not going to get you what you want. It's the same as asking your brain to make you happy. And so our so then the, the next question is, well, what, what our, are our brains there for? What are they designed to do if they're not designed to make us happy? They're designed to make us survive. Yes. So, if your your decision for survival, so our brains were designed for an ancient reality where we were all living in the wild, and so what our brains are designed to do is conserve resources. That's why your brain tells you it's better for you to sit on the couch and scroll through social media at night than it is to get up and go to the gym or go for a walk, um, because your brain's telling you in the back of your your not in the back of your mind, but your brain's saying. Um, Sub- subconsciously, tomorrow we might have to walk 30 kilometres to get water. So right now, while you can rest, you should rest.
1: So it's not a lack of willpower?
0: No, 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 no. It's our, our actual instincts for survival mm. are geared toward um, risk aversion, so not taking risks conserving resources. Uh, interestingly, uh, where if someone brushes your, uh, your hand or your arm while they're talking to you, your brain is designed to trust that person, <clears throat> which is interesting because if you think about this ancient reality we all would have lived in, the only people who really would have come close enough to us to touch us were probably part of our tribe.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so, of course, we trusted those people. And we also are more likely to trust people who look like us. And so, again, we have to override our brains because they were designed for an ancient reality that we no longer live in. We now live in a very complex social reality and we've overcome those survival hurdles and we are actually now going to the next step, which is happiness and self-actualization. We don't want to just survive because we've mastered that. Mm. We're now onto new skills. We're now onto like higher level skills, higher order skills, as Abraham Maslow called them. And so... In order to uh, achieve those high-level skills, we need to actually train our brains to do something other than it's designed to do because all it's designed to do is survive. It's not designed to make you happy. So when you wake up in the morning as a um, new mother, a lot of your survival needs are taken care of with your baby. Um, So if we're in an ancient reality and we wake up with our baby, it would have actually been quite highly stimulating because you have to go and find your baby food and you don't know if you can do that. You have to be nourished yourself so that you can nourish your baby. You have to find a safe, warm place so that you and your baby can survive. It would have been a very stressful slash stimulating experience to be a parent in an ancient reality. Um, but now we wake up in the morning and we're focusing on higher order skills. We're saying, well, I'm really tired. I didn't get enough sleep last night. And my, my old reality used to be that I was working and I was stimulated in that way. I've been become accustomed to being stimulated in a work sense, in a very cerebral sense. And now I'm in this situation where it's become quite physical and, you know, I'm changing nappies and I'm doing washing and everyone's on me and, you know, I'm dealing with like baby food and my life's changed so much that my brain is actually just almost shut down. And so women, like new mothers particularly, go through, and I think, I think, um, something that I'm talking about on the radio this weekend is actually a question from a middle-aged man saying, how do I redefine my purpose in my career in my 50s? Because men's lives have changed so much. So I don't think it's just new mothers. I think everyone's coming to terms with this new social reality we live in Mm. and the fact that we're all living longer and say, even in our lifetime, the retirement age has changed so much. So people who started their work life years ago, are now having to work for, say, 10, 15 years more than they had anticipated. So everybody's lives have changed so much, and our brains are struggling to um, make sense of this new reality. And so what we need to do is actually bring conscious awareness to this new reality and almost see our brain a little bit like a horse that we're riding that that we need to train. We need to tame that horse. Mm. And, you know, you imagine that, you know, the horse in the round yard? Yes. When the horse whisperer is training the horse, you need to see your brain like that. Your brain, you, you have never been a new mother before. You have never done so many things that are, that are new when you're a parent before. Um, men have never been middle-aged before. Women have never been middle All these things we are going through so many different cycles and rites of passage in our lives. And at each one, we need to learn, we need to teach our brain how to experience well-being in that new cycle.
1: It is such an amazing way to look at how we're all feeling because everything you describe makes perfect sense but to understand it in that biological sense, in that historical sense about mm. what our brain is trained to do and how we're now feeling so different and disconnected from that and it really is a complete redefining of of how we live because, as you said, we're not here to just survive anymore. We've mm. mastered that and mm. so there's there's that, okay... Well, what is this about then? And mm. and I think for me, what I'm discovering more and more as I go along this path myself, and hearing you say that happiness doesn't come from our brains, our brains aren't built for that. I, I get that lesson over and over and over again when I think that the goal, when I think something is going to make me happy and then I get there and the happiness might be fleeting. I I literally say out loud to my husband, I don't get it. What's the point of it all then? I don't understand what Mm. we're doing. What are we pushing for? What are we working for? And it's just... And that's your brain
0: asking you that question. Yes. And then your consciousness almost needs to answer. It's almost like imagine the planes coming and going from the airport Mm. and then the planes getting to the point where they've done it, you know, a hundred or so times. And then they look up at the control tower and they're like, Why? Why am I doing this? Yes. What's the point? What's the point? And Gosh, and that's you need to if you're in the control tower and you're looking down at the planes, mm. you need to say, You know what? This ain't your first radio rodeo and it's not going to be your last. You're going to keep flying. That's what you do. You fly planes, you go around the world. All you need to do is experience each moment as though it is bliss because it's the best it's going to get. Yes. In that moment. That's so it. the mm. Yeah, go on.
1: No, no, no. Please keep going.
0: Oh, so I was just going to say, so the the plane, there is no kind of utopia for that plane. You know, the plane's like, I've gone into the sky. I've experienced what I was meant to experience. You know, my my ultimate goal was to go to the Bahamas and I've been there. And now you're telling me that this is it, but I'm just going to keep flying around the world. And it's almost like the control house says, yes, but you can actually find the joy you're looking for right now, right here, in yourself.
1: Mm.
0: And you can imagine the plane going, oh. What? No, no, I don't like that question. It's got to be somewhere else. Maybe it's not in the Bahamas. Maybe it's in New York.
1: Yes, that's right. And we keep changing the goalposts. And keep changing the goalposts and and maybe it's somewhere else. Maybe it's not
0: one child. Maybe it's two children. Maybe it's three Mm. children. Ah! You know, maybe Mm. it's going back to work. Maybe it's all these different things. and, And we try them all on for size and keep coming back to the same answer. But the lovely thing is, as you go on, you are, I mean, there's a paradox there because you are made richer with each new experience. And you gather all of that beauty around you. I mean, it is a beautiful thing to be a mother. It's it's actually been, for me, the defining experience of my life. Um, I have, and I'm sure for, for so many of your listeners, you grow in a way that you never thought was possible. And I saw a photo of myself yesterday, so five years ago today, um, and I was looking at it and it was a photo of me on the due date of my first baby. And I was saying, that, and here I am, so naive. He ends up being 10 days overdue, emergency caesarean after two days of labor. (laughs) (laughs) And he was four kilos, and that's why he didn't didn't fit out of me, because I'm quite a petite frame. And I just, I looked at my face in that photo, and I was so naive. And a part of me would want to go back to her and say, run, (laughs) run. You won't make it out, you won't because I've ended up having two beautiful sons who have boundless energy and um, they don't sleep and you know all, all of the, the normal stuff.
1: All the fun stuff um,
0: all the fun stuff. but it's it's, it's made me who I am. I, I look back at that girl and I think you were so much more than you realized and it took that experience of almost being ripped apart mm-hmm. and then put back together again by that love, that you have and that they have for you and that your husband, it, the family sort of breaks you open and puts you back together again. And you'll never be the same again, but you you won't want to be the same again because it's it's the making of you. And so in a way, it's the the overarching message is that it's love that, that gives that the plane flying around the world, that's what gives you meaning.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that's what will always give us meaning. And it's not just love for your family or your children. You don't have to be a mother to experience that kind of love and being broken apart um, by love. It's But that, that's what it's all about. You know, it's it's not this kind of, experience of success and going after something outside of yourself. It's it's actually seeing your barista down the street and smiling and having that, that human to human heart connection. You know, I dropped off my son this morning to preschool and seeing the other mums and the dads and the teachers and that experience of belonging and, and love and connection that we're all seeking in every moment. That's that's the joy. Like that's, that's what, that's what the, the best that we can all hope for. And, and I think it's pretty good.
1: <laughs> <I agree. laughs> you know what I
0: mean? I'm pretty happy with that.
1: Yes, I agree. And I've been on this, you know, on this planet for 40 years, but on this, motherhood journey for 10. And in all of those moments of saying, I don't get it, what's it about? And and having those deep questioning moments, the answer has always been the same for me. And it's a relearning of this over and over again. And the answer is connection. Mm. Connection, connection, connection. And mm. connection, like you beautifully explained, to my children, to my husband, to my family, to my friends, but to myself mm. and to my spirit to something bigger to a deeper understanding it is always coming back to that word to connection how am I connected to this moment what am I connected to right now because that is my happiness I
0: have I mean this has been the existential crisis of my life becoming Mm. a mum because as you said Two weeks after I finished my PhD, I had my first baby and it was a bit of a traumatic birth, but it was more just the trauma of going from the ultimate in theoretical, which is a PhD, to the ultimate in practical, Mm -hmm. which is having a baby. (laughs) And so it was that 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 I found quite difficult, but consciousness and, and everything I'd studied had almost come to life it was it was like my practical application of what I'd lived. So I knew I knew that all the ideas that I had been living with and writing about for a few years, I knew how powerful they were. But I'd never actually been forced to put them to the test, and motherhood did that for me. So you know, it's all well and good to say, uh, make a choice in each moment uh, um, when you're you know, living with your husband, it's just the two of you and you're single and you can go out for dinner and you can do whatever you
1: like. Um, It's often
0: easy to to choose that thought. It's it's easy to choose the positive thing because, you know, life's pretty simple. Life's pretty, um, cruisy. Uh, But when you have this baby come into your life and you're not sleeping and they're crying and, and, you know, it might be hard to feed and your breasts are hurting and and all these kinds of things. It's, it actually puts all of of those ideas to the test. And I remember being with my mum a lot in those early days and just saying, oh my gosh, you know, I studied for 10 years and now I'm just changing nappies and having a really hard time with that, as I'm sure a lot of women go through. And it wasn't until I completely surrendered and understood, ah, this is the trick, that it's not about, in the back of my mind, having some escape route or some backup plan. It's actually about getting okay with this moment and the fact that I don't know what's happening next and I don't have a plan for my life. And yes, I do want to do so many things and so I'm not giving that up, but I need to be okay with not knowing. I need to be okay with the the unknown. With, with not having some perfect little, you know, tied in a bow plan, um, like I'm going back to work in six months or I, I know exactly what I'm doing and it's going to be amazing. I, I had this complete, like, I, like this longing in my heart that I wanted to do this work in the world and that I wanted to write a book and that I wanted to teach at uni and I, I wanted that so much. But none of that was kind of unfolding right at that moment with, in that first year with my son. And so it was quite agonizing. And I really had to put this stuff to the test. But the great thing was that by the time I came out of that and there was this sort of sense of robustness about me and about the work because I realized that it was true. I mm-hmm. realized how powerful it was. Oh, okay, I need to train myself. Like I am the wild horse. My brain is the wild horse trying to tell me all these stories about how this is not enough to be just a mother. I can't stand that phrase. Mm-hmm. Um And then once I got okay with that, once I got okay with the fact that, okay, I'm a mother now and that is a phase of my life. It's a cycle that I'm in. It won't last forever, but I'm surrendering to that. Once I got okay with that, I started thinking, well, you know what? He's kind of, you know, he's about six months now and he does sleep for a few hours each day and I'm at home. And once I've kind of done the washing and done whatever and clean the house, there's a couple of hours to spare there. Maybe I will start putting some words together. Maybe I will start. And I just followed and it became more of a, a labor of love, a bit of a curiosity. Uh, no one needed to know. And I was just writing, writing a book in the, in the background about all the things that i would learned and about uh, the research that i had done in a kind of a simple, easy to understand way. And it just became a little hobby, to be honest. And, and then it just evolved into all of these different things. And now I am doing really rich, meaningful work that i absolutely love and i feel that sense of connection to the work as much as i feel the sense of connection to motherhood mm-hmm. and i'm so grateful for that but it was a really painful agonizing journey to get to where i am but it makes it better because exactly. i feel like i it I, I feel like it's it's almost like planting an oak tree and once that oak tree starts growing you know how strong and robust it is
1: perfect summary perfect thank you so much Truly amazing chat, and I know that it will be so insightful for so many mamas, Ali. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for listening to the Happy Mama Movement. To make sure you never miss an insight, please subscribe to this podcast and also pop on over to see the latest issue of the Happy Mama magazine at www.happymama.com.au.